All right, so the prayers of Elijah. Um, a little background for Elijah. Elijah comes about when the um, Israelites are already in the promised land. Um, they, they're established there, um, and they decide they want a king. Uh, God tells them, you don't need a king, I'm your king. Uh, they say, we want a king anyway. So they all right, so appoint some kings, all right, and all of a sudden, all right, things are going downhill. Um, at the, the time, right before Elijah comes on the scene, a king by the name of Ahab um, is appointed. Uh, in 1 Kings 16.33, it says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So this is not a good dude. This is all right, not a good king right here. Um, he marries Jezebel. If we remember uh, a couple months ago, maybe uh, pastor mentioned Jezebel in, in Revelations 2, and he said um, she was the picture of wickedness. All right, so they used her name to describe wickedness. That's who he married. Um, she was the king of a, a neighboring um, nation. Um, and then, uh, if that wasn't bad enough, Ahab, then it says he starts serving and worshiping uh, the god Baal, or Baal. And um, that's where Elijah comes on the scene. All right, so what does Elijah do in response all right, to all right, this wickedness he, he sees around him? He prays. Um, and the result of, of that prayer, we can see in 1 Kings uh, 17.1. So it says, uh, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall neither uh, be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So I want to break this down a little bit and then uh, pull some more scriptures from my first couple points right there, but um, Elijah is standing uh, in front of the king when he delivers this, okay? And um, to him to have the boldness to go up to the king, all right, there's obviously a lot of prayer that went into the background right there. He didn't just say, you know, wake up one more and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the king. I'm going to tell him this is not right. This is not what's going to go on here. Um, he does a lot of prayer, um, and uh, he goes in front of the king, and, and he addresses the king all right, by saying, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. They're, this is God's chosen people. All right, they're in his promised land, all right, and they're worshiping a false god. Elijah goes to the king and says, all right, there's one God, all right, the God of Israel. He's a living God, unlike this all right, fake God you guys are, are talking about right there. Um, and all right, he's present right now. He's right before me where I stand. All right, he's bold, all right, just in, in even how he addresses the king right there. And then what does he ask for? All right, he says, there shall never, or it doesn't ask for it, when he's declared to him, he says, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. He makes this all right, tremendously bold statement right there. He knows all right, who all right, the one true God is. All right, he, actually, he also knows who he's, he's addressing right here. He's um, the, the, the God of Baal. All right, the, the false god of Baal was the god of uh, the weather, the sky god, they called him. So by making this declaration right there, this is, in his mind, this is going to be all right, very clear proof okay, that this god doesn't exist because all right, the one true god says it's not going to rain. All right, your, your god, if you want to pray to him and ask for rain, if he's real, then it should rain. So it's going to be a very clear declaration all right, that there is one true god, the god of Israel, the god I serve. All right, and there's going to be no doubting that all right, from this demonstration right here. 
All right, if we go uh, to uh, the book of James, all right, James chapter 5, it gives a little bit more insight into this, okay? So James uh, is the earliest of the letters written in the New Testament, and it's written to the church as an encouragement in their early struggles. All right, this is what it says in verse 16 and 17. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. So this right here demonstrates to us kind of what happened before Elijah went before Ahab. Uh, so just a, a, the first our sentence right there, just kind of a message to the church. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. We're not meant to do this alone. All right, he, he didn't, all right, doesn't start right here and saying, all right, go, go in, a, you know, in a room and don't tell anybody else what you did and don't, you mean, get, get all your friends and everyone uh, on board with you. Just do this by yourself. It doesn't say that. We're here today representing the body of Christ. All right, that symbolism right there knows that I'm not every part of the body. I'm one part of that body, and we need each other to build each other up. So he starts by saying, all right, all right uh, pray for one another. All right, confess your sins to one another. If you're struggling with something, all right, give, it to, give it to your brother in Christ. All right, he will pray with you. Okay, why are we to do this? Well, next part of the prayer. All right, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. A righteous person, someone who loves God, someone who's walking in God's ways, someone who will do anything right, for the God, all right, the, the, their Lord, their Savior. He was righteous. He knew his word, his scriptures. All right, he, he memorized them. He, he lived them. He was in prayer. He was in constant communication with, with the Lord. All right, that prayer, that's why we go to one another. I'm struggling with something. I need your help. Why? Because the prayer of the righteous, the prayer of us as, as, as the body of church has great power. He goes on to say, Elijah, and this is the part where it, it, it hits us. This is us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. There was no difference in Elijah. Well, Elijah was in the Bible. He was a, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Old Testament prophet. It's James saying right here, he was just like us. What was his different? different all right, he, well, he was in a time where, where there was kings. He was time before Jesus, all right, and God was working through him. So maybe the timing was a little bit different, but his nature was just like ours. He was a sinner. He struggled. He woke up some mornings and said, I don't want to pray. He woke up some mornings and said, this is not easy, God. We're going to see later on, he had some real struggles as well. But, all right, he was all right, a righteous person. All right, he loved God, and he knew the power of prayer. Um, so uh, the next two points are uh, kind of how right, to, to pray, all right, and then are what to, to pray for. Okay, so... It says he prayed fervently. All right, I had to look up fervent. All right, it says fervent uh, is having or displaying a passionate intensity. Fervently, very enthusiastically or passionately. He prayed fervently all right, that it might not rain. He didn't go, you mean, to God, and, and sometimes we go before prayer and, all right, thank you for this food, God, and then we start eating as quick as that wasn't, that was, that wasn't the passion he had right there. Right? He was so passionate, before his food, his tears went into his food probably, all right, before he started eating it. All right, he prayed fervently. 
This is the man who's in love with God. He's passionate for God. And he displayed that in his prayer. When we go ask for something, sometimes we ask for it. Um, we ask our mom or dad, and we say, oh, mom, can I have this? You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times, oh, no, get out, get in my face, whatever. Um, maybe nicer than that. Uh, my kids aren't here, so I can say that, I guess. Uh, but when we go to them and say, Mom, I really need this. We go fervent. We passionately say, look, you know what I mean? This is the most important thing, all right, that, that I need right in this moment right there. All right, they see that and they say, you know what? Maybe I'll still say no to show them that it's really not that important. But, all right, I see that passion, that passion right there. When we pray, all right, we're to pray, all right, passionately, fervently. If you've ever had, heard someone just pray with that passion, you'll get goosebumps. It's, it's, all right, you can just feel the Holy Spirit just, you know I mean, the presence right there and then. All right, so how should we pray? We should pray fervently. What should we pray for? The other part of, of this point right there is, all right, we should be bold in our prayer. Elijah didn't say, you know I mean, oh, God, you know I mean, there's, there's this, they're worshiping in this God right there. All right, should I just go up and stand on a, you mean, a thing and tell them they're all wrong? No. He's, he, Elijah was like, God, I'm going to be bold. I'm going I'm to ask for something all right, that only you could do. I know you could do this. You've already showed with Noah that you can make the rain come nonstop. Let's just do the reverse. Let's just do the opposite. Let's just say, all right, no rain. Let's just cease the rain whatsoever. When they start praying for their, their rain god all right, to come down to do their silly rain dances, Okay, they're going to see that that guy doesn't exist. They're wasting their time. That's my prayer. My prayer is a bold prayer. I'm praying it passionately, fervently, so that you will hear me, so that you will know, or so that they will know that you are the one true God. So Elijah makes his prayer. Then he goes, um, and all right, there's a drought in the land. So what's he doing? He's living, all right, by a stream, so he has water. And a raven's bringing him food and providing for him. He's following God's steps. All right, God provides for him. All right, then God uh, sends him on his way. He says, you know what, Elijah, go. All right, I got this, this widow right there. I need you to go and see her. So he travels over onto the widow. Um, he goes to the widow. The widow's there. And um, Elijah says, uh, you know, cook me a meal. All right, typical man. You know, just shows up someplace and wants some food. Okay. Um, so the widow says, well... I, I, I would love to, but this is literally my last meal, mine and my son's last meal. We were going to eat it and then just you know, wait for God to take us. And Elijah said, I was sent here you know, by the one true God. I mean, he's, he's, he told me to ask you for food. Um, so, you know, I mean, would you please? And, and she obliges. She brings him food. And there's a miracle that, that, that occurs. That miracle is that, all right, the, I mean, she just continues to have food. That food, all right, doesn't cease right there. All right, her faith, all right, um, was, was um, rewarded, all right, uh, by God right there. Okay, unfortunately, all right, we're going to find out um, in 1 Kings 17, 21 and 22, okay, that uh, it doesn't always or go well, and her son actually passes away after falling ill. So let's read 1 Kings 17, 21 and 22. It says, then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. 
All right, we see the passion again in the prayer. All right, he stretched himself out. All right, I don't know what possessed him you know, to do that, but he says, I'm just going to lay out in this, this all right, body. And he cried to the Lord. He cried to the Lord. All right, and what did he, all right, and he cried three times. He just, he kept doing it. You know, he was persistent in it. He cried to the Lord, and he said, oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come, come back to him again. He was bold in that, that prayer again. But to me, this boldness went even further. When he was bold and he asked for, for God not to send rain, well, he knew very well that could be done. This is something different. There, this is, all right, life. He says, I want you, God, all right, to breathe life back into this, all right, this boy right here. This had never been done. This is not like our lives are like, all right, well, yeah, um, they did this before. All right, Noah did this. I read about it. Or, or Moses did this. No, this is, he's asking for something that only true faith is going to provide. He had faith in following God, okay, to this woman. The woman demonstrated faith, all right, in, in giving of her last meal to this man. All right, now he's, he's showing that, all right, that deepest faith all right, you can have in saying, God, do something, all right, do the impossible. You are the God who created the universe. If you want all right, this, this, this child to come back to life, you can obviously do it. I have faith all right, that you will do it. James 1.6 says, let him at, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. He didn't doubt. He was laying. He was, he was crying. He was like, Lord, something's going to happen right here. I have faith in you can do it. I'm, I'm asking this bold uh, prayer right here. I'm, I'm praying fervently that you will have it, have it be done. Please bring life right, back into this child. And the God of the universe, all right, the God we serve, the God we love, all right, did just that all right, and, and brought that life, that child back to life. The second point is pray with faith and confidence. Someone struggling, whatever you're struggling with, you know, God, I know you can take this away from me. I know you can take this pain away from me. I'm faithful that you can do that. I'm confident that if I continue to go with you in prayer, if I just keep going back to you and back to you in prayer, you will do it. God, take this cancer away. God can do it. Like, there's no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. He can do it, but we have to ask him, all right, fully understanding, fully knowing that, all right, that is possible. When you go to God, be firm in your, in your prayers, knowing that there is nothing impossible with God. Uh, next point, uh, or, or next, uh, we come up with, all right, Elijah, um, and, all right, there's still the drought going on, and he uh, challenges the false prophets of Baal. He says, all right, here's what we're going to do. All right, we'll set it, you guys set up an altar. You put a bull on there. All right, you, you can pray. You can, all right, do whatever you want. And let's see. All right, watch Baal. All right, um, all right, set the altar on fire. And I'll set one up, all right, to the one true God. All right, and afterwards, uh, you know, I'll do that. And they're like, you know what? That sounds like, that sounds fair. If we're going to prove who the real God is, all right, that's a good test right there. So they set up the, their altar, all right, they dance, they cut them, they do all kinds of crazy things, okay, all right, just to see this bull sit there on the altar, obviously nothing's going to happen, the God doesn't exist, we know that, okay, they didn't, all right, 
So a whole day goes by, nothing happens. All right, so then Elijah says, okay, my turn, or God's turn, really. Okay, um, but I know you guys are going to say there's something you know, fishy going on right here, so I'm not going to, let's drench it, put some water on there. We're in a drought, and they're just dumping water on an altar for no reason whatsoever, okay, other than just to make sure that there's no shenanigans going on right here. So they put the, they, they drench it. They, the bull's literally sitting in water, all right? And then uh, Elijah starts to pray. That's what he prays in 1 Kings 18, uh, 36 through 38. He says, and at the time of the offering uh, of the oblation, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, all right, uh, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that I have done these, all these things at your word. Okay, so he starts, okay, by saying, uh, O Lord God of Abraham. I think we pray Lord a lot, but I don't know if we actually right, mean it when we say it. All right, if we, if we look up Lord, it says Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or a ruler. Elijah starts his prayer by saying, master, ruler, okay, person who I obey, person who I am, or he goes on and says, I am your servant, our servant, a person who performs duties for others. Elijah was going to his master and saying, all right, what can I do for you? I think a lot of times in prayer, we, we get the roles reversed a little bit. We'll say, Lord, but then we'll say, all right, master, can you do this for me? All right, master, can you, all right, can you do this for your servant? All right, Elijah's saying the exact opposite. He says, master, what can I, your servant, do for you? He will provide for us. Time and time again, we read the scriptures. He provides. But sometimes he's providing not what we're asking for, but what we need. And how do we know that? Well, we don't. We just continue to serve our master, our Lord and Savior. All right, Elijah knew that in his prayer right there. All right, and then he says, uh, he continues, that I've done all these things at your word. He's, he's, this is a public prayer. Right, he's in front of all these all right, hundreds, all right, 200 prophets of Baal. And he's praying this, and he's saying, Lord, the one true God, my master, whom I... I am your servant. I am doing this, all right, um, at your word. I didn't just come up with this plan myself. How, do you, how does he know it's at his word? Well, he prayed. He was in constant prayer with God. So God said, servant, do this. Show these people that I am the one true God. And then he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. Right, these people may know that you are Lord our God, and they've turned their backs on you. All right, then what happened? Fire came down. I ignited it all up. All these, everyone was like, wow, wait, this, this is the you mean, true God. No, I wish it was as easy as that. All right, um, they still struggle with it. But, okay, we know, all right, today, we know reading back on this, looking back on this, all right, that that was right, um, uh, what happened right there. All right, my next point is, all right, we are to pray with a servant's heart. When we pray, 
and you say, Lord, if you start your prayer with Lord, or really think about what's going to follow right there. You say, Lord, can you provide this for me? He's going to do it. He's going to provide what your needs. He will provide your needs. I promise you that. But if you're going to say, Lord, change the prayer around. Lord, how can I, all right, do your, your will? How can I do your work? What can I do today to serve you? When we change our prayer around, it's really going to change your heart. When you wake up in the morning and you pray that, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, let's go. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to do this. This is what God called me to do. In this case, God called all right, to show everybody all right, that all right, he was the one true God by setting fire. All right, he will do similar things in your life. Maybe not as grand, but guess what? Don't limit yourself. He certainly could. Pray with a servant's heart. Next, we come up to uh, Elijah. All right, he's, he's to the point now where he's going to start praying for, for rain. Um, so he all right, goes up, um, and all right, this is the prayer he, he does next. Uh, 1 Kings 18, verses 42 and 43. It says, And Elijah uh, went up to Mount, the top of Mount Carmel, uh, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to a servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said again, uh, said, Go again seven times. So this is a all right, private prayer. All right, here we're, we're, we're talking about war room in, in some of the studies right there. Here he goes to his war room. He goes all right, to his quiet place. He goes to the top of, of Mount Carmel. Um, and, and how does he pray? He humbles himself. He bows down and puts his face between the, his knees. He's, he's going, all right, the symbolism, he's going to be closer to God, but he, he realizes I, no one can look directly at God. I mean, that's just how infinite, how powerful all right, he was. Um, so he bows himself. He puts his head between his knees. Okay, here again, he shows our persistence. He prays all right, for the rain to come, so he, and he sends, Elijah sends his servant all right, to go all right, look, you know, look for any signs of rain. And Elijah's servant comes back, and he doesn't say, all right, well, we tried. I mean, no, he says, all right, we pray again. Sends him out. Doesn't happen. Oh, come on back. Let's try it again. I think sometimes we give up too easy. Seven times isn't even that much. I, I think for me, sometimes it's three times. I don't know. It's, it's like, all right, that didn't happen. All right, let me try something else. Um, no, he said seven times. He just kept going. God doesn't always answer things on our time. Sometimes he's showing us that patience and that and persistence. All right, he, he, and, and he talks about in uh, Luke 18, there's a parable about a woman who's you know, persistent. The judge finally gives in and says, well, okay, all right, whatever. All right, because he wants us to be persistent. He wants us to continue to go to him. If we're not persistent in prayer, all right, it probably didn't mean that much to you. If it means that much to you, all right, continue to go right, to the Lord in prayer time and time again, seven times. And then seven more times after that. Uh, my all right, last point comes all right, as Elijah um, uh, is uh, heavily distraught. 
All right, Jezebel, all right, says, all right, after uh, he lit the sacrifice on fire, they actually had all right, some of the, the Baal uh, prophets or whatever uh, they were uh, put to death. And Jezebel's not happy about it. So he says, all right, well, you know what? I'm coming after you, Elijah. So Elijah uh, goes and he says, uh, or Elijah goes in, all right? Uh, this is one moment where you can kind of see Elijah had a nature just like ours. What does he go? He goes and hides. So the same guy who just brought fire, who, who stopped the rain in the lands for years, all right, who he knows is all-powerful, who he knows has his back. And this, he had a time of weakness. He was just like us. He wasn't perfect. All right, and he went and hid. And when he's hiding, all right, he's basically waiting. I forgot, he's waiting for, for God to, um, to give him a sign or to tell him what to do next. Um, he's even all right, uh, asking God, say, I'm done. I've did everything for you. You know, take me. Obviously, I'm the only one left. At some point, he says, I'm the only prophet left. All right, take me. Obviously, all right, these people are no good. Take me. So we pick up here in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 to 13. Um, and as Elijah's waiting, I forgot this is what happens. It says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore before the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? All right, this was actually, um, and I always have to have something in my hands that just helps me uh, with my nerves. But uh, this is actually kind of what made me thought about this. This passage right here um, was the, um, the beginning of, of me um, preparing this, this uh, message right here. And this is, a, they call it a snipe. It's a little, a little kid's game, all right? Uh, I'm a big man. I still play it. So I guess it's a big kid's game, too. Uh, but what it is is you activate them, and I did it with VBS before, and you kind of hide them all right, in the room, and you can go look for them. It's the perfect game of hide-and-seek for parents because all right, you don't have to actually hide and, and spend, you know, cramped up in a little hole. You can hide this, go back on the couch, you know, wait for them to figure it out, and then come back. Um, but the, what's cool about this is... Uh, you can hide it really good because after a couple minutes, I'll actually make a little chirp, a little quiet chirp. So the kids will realize the first couple of times playing, right? They're ransacking everything. It's, it's like a, an earthquake going on. They're looking all over for it, all right? There's strong winds, you know what I mean? Because the, the chaos going right there, okay? And it makes a chirp, and they're like, oh, and they don't even hear it. They just keep on doing whatever they're doing. And they realize, all right, well, you got to be quiet. If you quiet yourself, all right, you're going to hear this little chirp. Elijah had the same thing right there. He had so much all right, going on. His, in his mind, there was this chaos. All right, there was this turmoil. There's so much going on. He was like, Lord. All right, and, and, and God shows him and says, look, amongst all that chaos, amongst that you mean, earthquake, that great fire, that wind, you need, to, you need to quiet yourself. You need to quiet your heart so you can all right, hear me. The louder you are, if you're screaming and yelling, you're never going all right, to find all right, this little guy. In the same way, all right, as if your heart is not quiet, you are never going to find God. When you sit down and pray, all right, and you're thinking of, oh, I got to do this later, and I got to do that later, I got to do that, 
Okay, God wants you just, all right, to say, put it all away, nice and quiet, so you can actually hear him. All right, first, and in John 16, 33, all right, um, this is Jesus speaking. It says, I have said these things that you, uh, to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we let all this nonsense from the world, all the chaos, uh, dictate, you mean, our mornings, when we wake up, and that's the first thing we're thinking about, all right, go to God in prayer, all right, Say, God, give me peace so I can put that stuff away so I can hear your quiet voice. If we're not quieting our heart uh, in, in prayer, okay, we're not going to hear him. We're not given the opportunity to hear him. You go amongst, you, you, you go in a, a big group of people and you try and have a conversation, all right, and you realize how easy that is. It's not, it's not fun. It's not easy. We don't, sometimes you don't go back to a restaurant. Like, it's too noisy now. You can't even talk in that restaurant. If we want to hear God, we want to hear him, we got to put the distractions away. Put the social media away. All right, put the TV away. Put everything away. All right, pull out the Bible. All right, sit there. Put your head between your knees. Bow to God. Acknowledge all right, to him that he is your Lord. He's your master. He's the creator of the universe. And then listen. Am I saying you're going to hear an audible voice? I haven't. Okay, but I can say, all right, that I find peace in my heart and I'm, I'm able to go out there and, and um, do what I believe all right, he's calling me to do. Quiet your heart in prayer. So um, as I wrap up, uh, just a, a few reminders um, of what we talked about. How are we to pray? We're to be fervent in our prayer, be passionate in our prayer. All right, we're to be bold in our prayer. Knowing that or the God we, we serve all right, is the, all right, the God, all right, the omnipotent God, an omnipresent God. He's here right now as I speak. He's getting me all right, through this message right here. All right, we are um, to pray with faith and confidence. A bold prayer is nothing if, all right, if, if, if there's no faith that it actually happened. I can ask Tom right now for a million dollars. All right, that would be very bold, I guess. All right, but there, I have zero faith that he's actually going to pull it out of his wallet. Okay, maybe 20 bucks he might throw on my way. So, all right, faith. Know that the, what you're asking for, he can do. Confident that if it is his will, he will do it. And if it's not his will, then, all right, be patient. Okay? Pray with a servant's heart. I, I really challenge you. Next time you say, Lord, all right, and you pray, Lord, all right, really follow that with, what can I do for you? How can I serve you today? Or right, be persistent. Okay, not only persistent in the same prayer, but we're just persistent all right, in your prayer in general. All right, every morning, get up and pray. Before every meal, I don't care where you're at, all right, pray. Pray loud. You're not praying for them, all right, but you are saying, I'm not ashamed of you, Lord. 
I'm not ashamed to tell everybody that you are the one true God who I worship. Elijah was not ashamed when he went up to Ahab and said, what you're doing here is wrong. There is one God, and that is the God of Israel. That is the God we serve, I serve. He wasn't ashamed of that. All right, and then, all right, quiet your heart. Put away the distractions. Put away all the, all the nonsense um, and spend some time with just you and the Lord.